Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been on the core substitutions committees. I was the expert. I can go exactly what's going to happen because some of the materials I've written were used in the Office of Civil Rights cases on core substitutions. Here's mm-hmm. the deal about core substitutions. One thing, do they have to grant them or not? That depends on what is the issue at hand. Mm-hmm. What process and deficit did the student try, didn't try, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the real mm-hmm. rules. You ready? Do you have a child who struggles in math? Did you even realize that a course substitution could be a reality at college? You are listening to Dr. Paul Nolting from episode 59, How Disability Affects Math Learning. So today I decided to talk about course substitution, what you need to know, how they work, why they're important, why you can get a course substitution or how, or how you might not get a course substitution. So I'm going to be pulling from episode 59 periodically, but I want to talk about my own personal experiences with course substitutions as we delve deeper into that topic today. So welcome to Mickey Teaches on College, Disabilities, and Success, Episode 79, How to Get a Course Substitution in Math with Mickey Hayes. The opinions in this podcast are my own, but please reach out to your college, physician, or legal services for additional information. Now today when I'm talking about course substitutions, I'm going to be talking about my own personal experiences in seeking those substitutions. So there are a few things that you should know that probably go across the board to any college you're at. One of the questions, again, to talk to disability services about is what is their process in course substitutions and what exactly might you need for your child in order to qualify for that, if that is the case with regards to math. Before they'll consider a course substitution, one of the first things they're going to look at is the degree path that your child is in. If your child is in a math-centric or math-heavy degree path, they're probably not even going to consider course substitution as an option. If, however, they're in a program where math is not the focus, it might be a humanities program where You have to take a math class, but you really don't need a lot of different math classes in order to graduate. That's a better chance that you're going to even be considered first and foremost for a math course substitution. Now, if you caught Dr. Nolting at the beginning of this podcast episode, he mentioned something about being the expert on the math committee. So that's the first thing you're going to need to understand. In order to request a course substitution, it cannot just be determined by disability services. That request is going to go farther to a specific committee drawn up to work on course substitutions when they're requested. Now, the reason I'm focusing on math today is because about 90% of the requests that we ever got for course substitutions dealt with math. Occasionally, we would get one for speech, but those were few and far between, and they were not usually granted, to be perfectly honest, because most of the issues that people have with public speaking and speeches can be handled through accommodations. So the student gets the experience of the course and the knowledge of the course, but the actual presentation could possibly be handled through accommodations. So most of the requests that actually go to committee are going to be for course substitutions in math. Now I'm going to pull some things out of the podcast that Dr. Nolting did, just so you can hear his words on the subject. 
But I want you to understand that there's always going to be somebody on that committee from Disability Services who's going to be the expert on your child's documentation and your child's disability and the documentation that your child has to justify that request. So when you go back and listen to 59 again with Dr. Nolting, pay close attention to that because he talks a lot about how your child's updated psychological evaluation is read, what some of the subtopics on that evaluation mean, and how they apply to math, and how they can accommodate for those issues, and they don't need to do a course substitution, and then why sometimes when you're looking at the psychological evaluation, there are cases where the substitution makes perfect sense. So take a listen again to 59 to hear what he has to say about that, because I'm not going to go into all of that detail today. But I do want to share with you some of the very specific things that he mentioned that I think are worth talking about. Now, the first thing he mentioned was being the expert on the committee, and he is an expert because some of the things and rules that he's written for the Office of Civil Rights are actually used to determine the legitimacy of a course substitution in math. So he is definitely one you want to pay close attention to where math is concerned. But in general, the Disability Services is going to gather up all the documentation they can, and the student can request a course substitution meeting whenever they're whenever they want, but the information that's presented to the committee then would be the documentation and history and cause for need and concern, and all of that would be presented to the committee using the disability services personnel as the resident expert. Now, I've been to course substitution committee meetings, and where we did them, the committee would listen to me. They would discuss what I told them. They would talk to the person who is requesting the course substitution, ask them about their struggles. They're going to look at the history and what's been done and what's been attempted. But these are all things that I've experienced, and I can only speak for myself when it comes to that procedure. But I've had course substitution requests granted, and I've had course substitution requests denied. Sometimes I agreed with their decision and sometimes I didn't. Sometimes I understood their decisions and sometimes I didn't. I mean, that's the nature of course substitutions. So it isn't a done deal until it's a done deal. And I want to add at this point that I have never, ever, ever seen the committee grant a course waiver. And a course waiver is where all math disappears completely. And if you listen to Dr. Nolting, he talks about only one time in his experience where that's happened. So I've had students come in with a math waiver from other colleges, and we honored it, but I've never actually seen one given. Course substitutions simply means that instead of waiving all math completely, that the math that they take can be substituted by some other course. Might be an economics course, might be a statistics course. Usually the colleges have a list of adequate substitutions that they can use in that case. So let's take a couple minutes and listen to Dr. Nolting again. But here's the real Mm -hmm. rules. You ready? I always get this question. When can you apply for a course substitution? And the answer is as soon as you're accepted to the university or college. And that's different than how it used to be. 
Correct. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to grant it, and I'll, I'll show you what's going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, as soon as you're accepted, you can apply. And what happens when they start looking at your psychoeducational reports and information, there's three different areas that they look for. And this is right out of the OCR case, which I'll cite from San Antonio, California. Mm-hmm. The first area is that the disability is so insurmountable that they were not going to learn math. So we're not going to put them in it and we're going to grant it. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are very rare. I was only involved in one when I wrote the report uh, at a major university in Florida. Uh, they mm-hmm. looked at it and they totally agreed because I said the student received every accommodation possible in high school and basically made Ds. And unfortunately, Ds in there were, were gifts to the point that she right. did extra credit. So I'm not going to get into that. And when they started seeing all the reports, she was a communication major and her area, her major area uh, consultant at that time, the department chair said she doesn't need math. Yeah. We gave her some more education courses, music courses. That's one. The second one is the gray area. That is, we don't know. We, we don't know if they can pass math or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to mm-hmm. have you take them mm-hmm. and you can take the course with all the accommodations possible. And that mm-hmm. gets interesting. And I'll come mm-hmm. back to that one, but all the accommodations that are needed that are appropriate. Now, one thing I got to say right now, a lot of accommodations that are given to high school are not appropriate in college. Absolutely. And, and a lot of parents don't understand that. They don't realize that. Yeah. Th- that goes down to fundamental philosophy where high school mm-hmm. is accommodating for success and college is accommodating for equal access. Yeah. And there's two different laws that IDEA, which is high school, mm-hmm. and 504 and ADA, mm-hmm. which is college. So mm-hmm. you may not get that. So now you try the course, you had all the mm-hmm. appropriate accommodations that you're allowed, and you failed or didn't pass or withdrew or whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now it becomes a question, do we have you take it again? Uh, according to these court cases, the answer is no. No. Now, okay. I've had students said, I want to try it again. I said, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If the student yeah, some students. It, go, yes. Yeah. You can yeah. try it. Uh, the yeah. other exception is they brought in a different report that gave them more accommodations. Then I'll go, yep, we'll give you more accommodations and try it. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about that one is it also said that you cannot be punished for that. In other words, let's say you got an F. You got to take the F off the record and change it to a W because we didn't know I'm not going to punish you for trying that sort of thing. Right, right. But the third area is your learning disabilities, say right now, Processing deficits are not really associated with math, like auditory mm-hmm. processing, or we can compensate them almost totally, like visual processing mm-hmm. speed, visual processing, sure. visual discrimination. So we're not going to give you core substitutions no matter what. So that's the three areas. Again, it's one is that you have enough data saying that it's impossible for you to pass math. Right. The second one is gray area. You're going to try it with everything, with the study skills, everything, mm-hmm. and the second one, the most common way they say we're not going to grant a course substitution is lack of effort of the student. They're going to go look mm-hmm. at, did you go to class? Did you go to tutoring? You know, did you get help? How many hours did you study? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's right. the most common one. But mm-hmm. I usually do an educational plan, get that set up, and then have the instructor come in and go, yep, they try it all the time, but they just can't get it. Third area is your learning disability, say right now, Processing deficits are not really 
associated with math. So mm -hmm. what, what happens now is if you basically are looking at core subs, you have to have the good documentation. You can always request them. We had students that said they can't do intermediate and elementary algebra, but they can do statistics and liberal arts and topics. Mm -hmm. uh, we started this saying, okay, we can't do that. How would you like to jump up and go to the next course? So as you can tell, getting a course substitution is not a straight line. It is not a straightforward path. There's a lot involved in it, and they're going to look very closely at what this child has done, the math that they've done, the effort that they've put in, the history that comes along with it, the test data, the subtests in the data, what the experts have to say. There's a lot involved in getting a course substitution, but it is a process that works, and it is a process that if you have a child and you know math is an ongoing problem and has been forever, and you know math is going to be the barrier that's going to keep them from getting a degree, then definitely have that conversation with Disability Services. Find out when you can request it. Dr. Nolting says you can do it right away, but the reality is the chances are you can do it, but it's probably not going to be cleared right away at the, out the door because the college is looking to see a lot of the background that comes along with it. But it is possible that you can request it. But do talk to Disability Services. Find out what your options are. Find out what they recommend and see what comes next. If you listen to any of my other podcasts, I talked about planning schedules and I ran into students who actually saved all of their math for the end of their degree plan. And I don't know how they did that, but boy, they hit a wall at that very end because of the struggles in their math. And so if you know that math is going to be an issue out the door when you head to college, then you might want to start thinking about and making plans about course substitutions as a possible option. And I would also recommend that you listen to Paul Nolting's podcasts. He did two of them, but he talks quite a bit about the differences between math in high school and math in college and the accommodations that work for math and those that don't work for math, and how the accommodations are usually decided based on the documentation that your child provides that show the nature of the math disability that they're dealing with. So there's a lot involved in that complexity of math as far as the college is concerned. So please take some time to talk to disability services and get a clear picture on your child's options for that course substitution for the accommodations for their graduation plans. Now, if you want to reach out to Dr. Nolting, his email address is p.nolting.phd at gmail.com. Please don't hesitate to send him an email. He is more than willing to help in any way that he can, and maybe he can give you some insight and some information and some advice about your math issues. If you have any other further questions, check out my website also at mickeyteaches.com, M-I-C-K-I-E teaches.com, and my email address is mickeyteaches at gmail.com. In the meantime, have a great rest of the day, and we will talk again soon.
Bye. Information contained throughout this podcast has been gleaned from my own personal experiences. But to ensure accuracy, please contact the Disability Services at the College of Your Choice to have first-hand information and the most up-to-date policies and procedures followed by your particular institution of higher education. The content in any of these podcasts is not intended as a substitute for information from legal, educational, or medical professionals. Always seek the advice of your attorney or qualified health care provider with any questions you may have with regards to legal, educational, or medical concerns.